0: Welcome to another edition of the Cuz I Have To podcast. When living your dream
1: is the only option.
0: We have such a special guest on today. I'm going to call her the queen, the queen of podcasts. We know each other from back in the day, 92.3 Rock, New York City. Everybody, put up your devil horns. But she's gone on. Now, we're going to get to the bottom of this. I think her first podcast idea went viral and insane. She has, let me just list all the podcasts. Hamilcast, which was about the Broadway show Hamilton. True Crime Obsessed, which is insane. Uh, my So-Called Podcast, which was about the show My So-Called Life. Uh, let the Women Do the Work. Uh, we'll get into all this. Uh, she's on camera right now just looking all coy like me. Are you guys talking about me? Oh. <laughs> it, it is Jillian Pensavalli. Please, welcome to the program.
2: Hi, everybody. Hello,
0: podcast queen. Uh, Before you say another word, we'll be right back. We made it to season three of the Cuz I Have To podcast.
1: When living your dream is the only option.
0: We're your hosts. I'm Julie Slater
1: and I'm Jason Friday.
0: We'll be chatting with guests and each other about facing your fears
1: and going for it in life. We hope to inspire you to live your dreams. Now let's get to it.
2: And
0: we're back with the queen of podcasting, Jillian Pensacola.
2: First okay. of all, thank you for having me. Second, I can't take that title. I do I I am a professional podcaster. It took me long enough to say those words that Special I do this podcaster. professionally. Yeah. Um and I also have to say, Julie, like this is such an honor and a full circle crazy moment because I, I mean, I still do, but when I was working at K rock, I was like a young, I I don't know. You were always really nice to me. And I looked up to you and admired you. Um, still, I still do, but you were, um, it's hard to be like a, a young woman.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Um, right.
2: And you, um, I just, you were always so nice to me and, and, um, I was just like, oh my God, like Julie Slater's like right over there. Um, so it's, this is a real big, this is crazy for me. So thank you. And Jason, you're here too. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I I didn't know you back in my K-Rock days, you know? So
1: yeah. 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 No, I'm just going to add on to that though. Um, so many people that I've met from K-Rock days in New York have said the key word you were always a uh, key phrase sentence whatever you were always so nice to me which totally. is
0: really funny to me because I don't I when I was uh getting a job at 100.3 the sound in LA they said we just we needed to sound nice and I said that is not a <laughs> phrase anyone would use about me so you're the wrong girl <laughs> well
2: but I think I I think with that what we're all trying to say is that like there was no ego with you and no bullshit with you like you sort of you know I when I started working there I was on the street team which is if you don't know what that is it is a thankless a abusive like nobody gives it I'm handing out keychains oh outside of fucking Sam Goody or whatever in oh Jersey like I'm God. not kidding those were the things that we did. Um, Sam Goody or whatever, you know, an FYE or some, I don't know, some out of business music joint. Um, We went to, it was like a Sam Ash in like a, like a strip mall (laughs) in Jersey or Long Island or whatever. So like no one, it was like pretty, that's how I started there. Right. And it was pretty thankless, but I remember, I don't know if you remember this, Julie, do you remember that we went to, I think it was the Belmont racetrack? And you had oh. to like take a picture with a jockeys. Yes. yes. <laughs> What's going yes. on? And I was sort of like your handler for the day. Um, and that could have been like other people would have made that a really intimidating thing, but you didn't we were just like hanging out for the day. And I was like, wow. I told everyone I was like, I got to hang out with the coolest person and whatever. That's so sweet. Um so yeah, I think it was I think it was just there was sort of no. There was like no bullshit. There was no drama. There was no ego with you. Like you were just excellent at what you did and you respected everyone around you. So I think that's what we're all trying to say when we say that you were always like nice. Like it was never like, oh, shit, Julie's here. Like It was never like that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. I I mean, no, but that's that makes sense to me. She is no bullshit. She is real. She is like, hey, this is how. It is. And there is. Am no... I
0: accepting an award? Are you guys giving <laughs> yes. me an award? Does that come? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: You got the uh, disc Jockey the achievement nice, award. The nice yeah. award.
0: Yeah. So maybe deep down, I am nice. I don't feel like I'm nice, but I get no, what but you're saying.
1: Who? 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 What was it? Cavino that said that? Uh, uh, when we well, got lunch Cavino, or?
0: Steve Cavino, but also Demos. Oh, Demos too. Always was like, yeah, you, you, you really helped me out. I'm like, I don't know if I did anything, <laughs> that, but I'll no.
1: sure. But you isn't just, that
2: telling that you're not even trying? You're just it, like an inherently good person? I,
1: that's what I, was, I literally was about to say. Like, hello, you're just being you. Doesn't that make it that much more authentic? Yeah, as, uh, as my
2: friend Missy says, Julie, just shut up and take the compliment. Just say thank
0: you. Okay, exactly. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, weirdly enough, this podcast isn't about me, although most things are. <laughs> Uh, Jillian, <laughs> please take us back from the moment you were born. Did you have pink hair? No, I didn't.
2: <laughs> In my soul, I did. I yes. guess I always Me too. Me too. Yeah. Well, I couldn't do anything cool with my hair because I was acting for a long time. So my agents oh, right. like, you know, you had to look like your headshot. And at one point I had like blonde tips and I went into their office for a meeting or something. And they were like, oh, <laughs> Well, yeah, like off. it was sort of like, a you know, either get new headshots or change your hair back. And I was like, oh, all right. Oh and that was God. when I still thought I like wanted to be in that world. And then when I fell into podcasting and I quit, like there are no hard feelings there. I just I was sort of. Hey, I, this feeling was hanging over my head. Like, am I allowed to not want to do this anymore? Because for so many years I was, that was my thing. It was like such a big part of those horrible, horrible, right. right, Those horrible conversations of like, so what have you auditioned for lately? What are you up to lately? And as long as I could say it's the word. I hate those conversations so much. I hate them so much that my husband and I made a web series about them (laughs) called the residuals about actors auditioning for commercials. But, um, Uh, yeah I just sort of realized like wow I am resenting getting an audition email and that's a problem because other people really want to do this and like feel it in their being and I'm just sort of hanging on to it for some like sort of you know I don't it wasn't even ego but it was just like who am I without this like even though I wasn't you know breaking any barriers or you know on any award show but it was just like what am I like what do I do like I'm, I'm just going to, then I'm not going to be a bartender who auditions. I'm just going to be like a bartender and I'm going to have to deal with that. And then the podcasting came along and I realized, um, that's what I want to do. And that's where my passion is. And I would feel resentment. And I was like, someone else should be getting these emails. Like, this is a bad feeling and that's not good. And that's not right. And that's okay. Like I, it's okay to not want to do the thing you thought you wanted to do for so long and like, don't fight that and just sort of let it all be what it is. So then I wrote this very... I, th- I think nice email just sort of saying, like, I think we both know my heart's not in it. And like, I think, you know, and it was a super big agency. And that was a hard thing, too, because I think it felt like, well, this is it. This is it now. Right. Like, yeah. I can't go back, which is, you know, more bullshit. Um, yeah. But it was like a moment I was like really in my head about it. And when I wrote this email and they were like, you know, they all sort of responded and they were like, great. Congratulations. Keep us posted. Like, this is amazing. This is good news. And I seriously, I felt like, sending the email, I felt so much lighter. And then they responded so quickly because it was such a non-issue to everyone else but me. And then when I got the response and they were like, hey, like, Godspeed. Like, let's stay in touch. Like, are you cool for drinks later? Like, you know, next week or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I think I can do this now.
0: Wow. Yeah. And then yeah. so was your interesting. was your first podcast idea Hamilcast?
2: Yeah. So I, I um, ha, I, I. I didn't listen to podcasts other than Serial. And even that was popular then, because I'm trying to. I
0: I know I read that podcast started like 2004, 2005. But
2: so yeah, the Howlcast. Actually, we're recording this on January 31st. Yesterday was the seven year anniversary of the Howlcast, which is insane. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: but I have ADHD, so it's hard for me to listen to things that don't have any sort of visual component. Um, I. It's, I'm constantly rewinding. I'm like, wait, what was that? And I miss everything. So it was too, almost too much work to listen to a podcast, honestly. like, um, I'd rather watch a documentary, which we'll get into. And it, w- it was really hard for me to follow. So I was like, oh, this podcasting thing, it just wasn't really on my radar. I'd either listen to music or whatever. Um, and then Hamilton came out. And Hamilton came out. Uh, I missed it at the public, but the album came out was kind of going through a lot of shit i was at a job that i hated i was doing freelance stuff i was doing on camera stuff which i sort of came up in the industry doing um but they were like horribly misogynistic and like didn't side with me during sexual harassment stuff and Jesus. underpaying everyone it was terrible but i was like i'm on camera three days a week like yay um oh. and this was before i quit uh, uh acting altogether like you know whatever having agents i guess um and i was like in a really dark bad place being in that that space for so long and just sort of thinking like, I don't have anything else to do and I can still be creative and it's three days a week and it's something consistent, which is like when you're acting or doing, it's like, that's a godsend kind of. So I sort Mm -hmm. of felt like I should be lucky to be here, but I was turning into a really angry person. Um, like I would come home and like slam my bag on the floor and just do things that aren't me. And my husband was like, this is, you're like a, you're dark, like there's darkness here. And it was all because of, of dealing in that, that terrible, terrible place. But so I sort of was like missing stuff in pop culture. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. So October of 2015, the uh, original cast recording of Hamilton was released on NPR. And I was with my best friend, Ashley, and she was like, dude, you got to listen to this. Cause we grew up in New York city. Like we went to high school on the Upper East Side. We were always listening to the same stuff, always recommending things to each other. Um, And I listened to it and I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. And that night I went and got new headphones because I knew I was going to be listening to it all the time. And I knew the intricacies of the music and the orchestrations were like beyond. So I was like, I'm going to be listening to this a lot. So I need actual like really good cans to walk around in. Um, And that was October 2015. And then I was listening to it constantly and getting to the point where everyone was just sort of, like, glazed over. Like, nobody cared about me talking about it anymore, which is understandable, the the hyperfixation thing. It was just, it was like, did you know that there was a guy named Hercules Mulligan? And he, you know, it's just like, whatever. Just trying to weave it into conversations and just constantly talking about it. Um, and it ended, I got back in touch with someone who I I hadn't been in touch with for a long, long time because of this thing. And I was just sitting there and I was like, wow, like I'm talking to all these people about it in my life. Like people are coming in being like, oh, you posted on, on Instagram about Hamilton. Like I'm into that too. We were all sort of like finding each other. And, um, because my husband and I had made this web series, we got married and then made a web series uh, and lived to tell the tale. Like, we don't have kids or a house or anything. We just, like, do creative stuff. We have a dog. She's awesome. Her name's Fiona. Um, but we, you know, we're not that, I don't know. I always say it's easier to explain what I do if I'm just like, I'm an accountant. I have two and a half kids and I have the white picket fence, but that's not my life. So, yeah. Um, I figured, you know, if we made a web series. Like that's I, I I, got through that alive. You know, I didn't know how to make that either, but I know how to edit and whatever. And I just had this idea like nothing I'd ever really felt before. And I don't know why. And I can't really explain it. I was like, I want to make a Hamilton podcast. Also, I hadn't seen Hamilton, um, <laughs> which is hilarious. It was the most, Im- was the most impossible ticket to in town. And I was like, but I'm talking enough about it. Like there's still conversations to have like, the music is amazing. Lynn manuel Miranda is like really doing stuff that we've never seen before. Like there are people like, I think we could like, I don't know. Like, let's just do it. And so that was on like a Tuesday. And by Saturday, I guess was July 30th. The first two episodes were out, but I was so eager to get it out that I didn't have any equipment and I didn't know what to do. So I, I, I called this friend and I was like, hey, you know, my best friend, Ashley, couldn't do it. She's a teacher and she just has like a, a much a heftier schedule than I did at the time. And I said, all you have to do is come over to my apartment and talk about your favorite thing. I'll do everything else. I'll edit it. I'll research it. I'll buy everything. Like, don't worry about it. Like, that's really all all you need to do. She said, okay. So, um, but before I was like, but I want the first two episodes. Like no one else did it. And I felt like this thing is so big. Like someone's going to make the Hamilton podcast. Like someone's going to do it. And I want to do it. And I don't care that it's going to be bad. So the first two episodes we recorded hovered, over a the camcorder that we used to record to film the residuals my web series barely edited like two person two people on one microphone like an editor's nightmare didn't edit anything every mouth click every um every stumble over like the, just the most rudimentary like most primitive thing in the world and I was like but it's out like it's out now and so now I'm doing it and so this is how it's going to be and people have told me, because I've never gone back and listened, like, I just can't do it. But people have told me that even on that first episode, I was saying things like, well, when Lynn comes over, I'll ask him about it. Half joking, but also like half not. And then eventually he did. And he's- Yeah, how he, like, long came... into the
0: podcast did uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda come on the show?
2: Um, Not that long. It was, I think, epi- his, his episodes were like 89, wow, na- 90, 91- oh, wow. Um, And you must have been
0: shitting yourself.
2: Yeah. (laughs) That story is crazy. So, because what happened is that Lynn was very, um, this was back when he was doing, when he was like on Twitter a lot, like a lot, a lot. And before people got terrible to him and he's, you know, very rightly like set boundaries and stepped away for his, you know, whatever his reasons were. But he was on it a lot. And so I remember thinking like, look, because I think by episode like, Early on, like episode five or something, I had like the guy who made the beats on like people were hearing about it like it was I was getting emails from people and like, like all over the New Zealand and Kansas and South Africa, like all of these people were just like, no, I'm the weirdo at my school. No one wants to talk to me about this thing either. Oh so it feels like I'm sitting on your, cause I would always sit on the floor in my living room and record it. And everyone's like, I, I would feel like I'm sitting on the floor with you. And that was just like, all right, well, that's the mo- the best compliment ever. And like, something is kind of happening here again, like with no ego about it. It's like people were responding to it. And then cast members were like, can I come on? Like, my day off is Monday. And then, you know, like, other people in the Broadway community wanted to come on and talk about it. And then major players. It was insane. It was insane. It was insane. And I just said yes to everybody because, like, (laughs) I know that it, it takes, it's so cheesy, but like it takes a village to make a Broadway show. Like Lynn isn't the only person who did it. There are like 200 people, like whether I've had people from like the front office, I've had the bar manager, like, you know what it takes to like put on a show in a theater, lighting people, wardrobe people, like be nice to everybody, number one, prop people, but like it takes a lot. And so, so many other, so many people who like, you know, I was lucky enough to grow up in New York. So I was growing up going to Broadway shows, but like Hamilton was so big that there were people who like, didn't like hip hop, didn't like Broadway, didn't like history. Like they were all kind of like, what's this thing? So it was sort of a way to teach these people or just show these people, not teach them, but like show these people that this is kind of what theater and what the arts can be. And you've been kind of your nose up at it because you don't you know you think you don't like musicals which is like fine but whatever just get a grip bye bye birdie's great damn yankees whatever like just get over it um so (laughs) then so I was very very like aware that I wasn't gonna at Lynn on Twitter all the time like I it became kind of clear like he knows about it's sort of like around and I was I was gonna I was playing it cool like as cool as I could and then um He used to do this thing where everyone wanted him to like see what they were making about his thing. So they like he would get sort of inundated with these with people saying, like, look at this, look at this, look at this. And then he would always say, I see you at blank or whatever. And it was the phrase was always like, I see you. And I remember saying I I said it on the pod. I don't know what episode, but I was like, one day I'm going to wake up to. A notification and it's going to say i see you at the hamilcast and that happened in may of 2017 i'd seen the show the night before oh and i guess word got out. War?
0: oh my god i'd seen
2: it yeah for some well i'd seen it because a benefactor like this generous listener by episode <laughs> 13 was like you have to get it like are you kidding like the original cast is going to start leaving and you should go but I, i've been lucky enough to see it you know, a number of times, but I, they're one of the times I, it, I was there the night before and I was talking to people and I guess he, I don't know, something got back to him. I don't know, but it was like at Lynn underscore Manuel followed you back mentioned by at underscore Lynn Manuel. Like I see you at the Hamilcast. Wow. And I was like, he was like, yeah, I really enjoyed your episodes with whoever. And I was like, I think it was shockwave from freestyle of Supreme. And I got up and Mike always makes fun of me. He's like, it was like the Undertaker. You know how the Undertaker would just sort of like slowly just get up like from the waist. Cause I was in bed. It was early. And I knew I was like, one day I'm gonna wake up and it's like exactly what I said it had happened. You mentioned so it. so I did I'm like we, I know that's like such a word now that, like, but it's kind I mean, I just kept saying it over and over. I just kept saying it on the mic over and over and over again. And then um, but what I didn't do is message him because right. that was like if you both follow each other, DMs are open, right? And I did nothing. I think I, I liked it, of course. Like I responded, I was like, oh, thanks, or whatever. But I didn't thanks, I'm reach totally out. cool. Whatever. Going back to work. See you later. I was like, what? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like sweating, but I'm like, this is a big like I don't want to scare the ducks away. You know what I mean? I just don't want to like That's so cute. So I was like, don't say anything, like respond to it publicly, but don't be like, now that I have you, like, what a loser, right? Like, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) So then that was May. By September, I get a DM from him that's like, hey, I really loved your Mandy Gonzalez episodes. Now, Mandy at the time was playing Angelica Schuyler, but she was also an original cast member of In the Heights, which is the thing that made him like a household name. Because I really loved your episodes with Mandy. You know, I'm ready. Like, when when do you want to do this?
0: Oh, my God.
2: And I assumed that it would be like people and like email this person and then coming with someone like maybe his dad because he does a lot of stuff with his dad. No, dude just came over to my fourth floor walk up with my (laughs) whistling toilet. By himself, we got day drunk. He was over for hours, so much so that people were like, is like tw- like even tweeting like, is he okay? Like he hasn't been on Twitter for four hours because he was so on Twitter. got day drunk, oh ate popcorn. He played like fun, what he called like fun goodies, like cut songs um during like bathroom breaks and like initial <laughs> versions. And then I learned later he had like four we had I think we did like three episodes with him, and then Mike and I did like just sort of recapping and just talking about like how insane it was. And then a couple of months later, he goes on the news. He goes on like BuzzFeed News. And because all of those drops were coming out, I don't know if you guys know about the drop. So it would be like, just like, you know, Weird Al did one. He did like the Hamilton Polka. And it's just people who were, you know, just different singles. Um, And there was a version of the song Burn called First Burn. It was like the first lyrics that were like cutting. And he told everyone, I'm the last to know, that he decided to make that a drop during a bathroom break while recording the Hamilcast because Mike and I freaked out about it so much. And he was like, yeah, on the way home, I just like called Atlantic Records. and oh just God. made it a Hamel drop because he was like, yeah, like Jillian was like freaking out about it. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of dope. Like I should maybe do something with this. And then he like sent it to me. He was like, hey, your episode comes out at midnight. Like, so does this, like you have it. Like, this is an exclusive. Let's just like take it and talk about it and do whatever. And like use, use my demo from like SoundCloud where it's him like trying to sound like Eliza. Just like take it. No one else has that. You just take it. Just do it. Oh my I'm god. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Holy <laughs> <This laughs> shit. So yeah. Crazy. He, he's super generous. Like, like he wow. just, yeah. It was pretty rad. It was pretty rad. And that was sort of that started everything. That was like that. I mean, it was incredible, incredible, incredible up until that point. And I remember someone saying to me, like, so you're done now, right? Like you got Lynn. I was like, Are you out of your mind? Am I done? <laughs> I can't believe you're still doing it now, right? I know seven years over three like I just what did I just finish I just finished editing like three I was just I just typed like episode number 360. Oh
1: my god. Oh my god. (laughs)
2: And but and it's crazy. Like, it's all over the world. It's in Germany now. And like, everyone has a story to tell. And, you know, people, it's so amazing. People are like, but I'm just an understudy. Like, are you sure you want to talk to me? Yes. Because now it's evolved. Like, yeah, like, even in my pitch email, I'm like, look, I know, well, it's called the Hamilcast. We'll talk about your Hamilton story. But like, you did stuff before it. And either you did stuff after or you're going to or I see on social media that you're an activist or you're this like talk about whatever. There was one episode where because everyone has like two or three episodes because I just never cut anyone off. I'm like, you can talk for three hours for all I care. Four hours. I really don't care. (laughs) People have slept over because we've had too much fun. And they're just like, "Mm, I don't know if I'm going to be safe getting home. Um, And like. I just, we, like, there was one Eliza that I spoke to the first, like, hour of her of her recording was, like, experience with, like, ayahuasca and how that helped her center herself and, like, how she takes that on stage. I'm like, that counts. Yeah. Let's do that. Wow. <laughs> Why not? So awesome. That
1: is so wild. It's, it's
2: kind of crazy.
1: Holy it's kind of crazy.
0: Yeah. So wow. did you immediately, with Hamilcast, did you immediately just get crazy amounts of people listening?
2: Well... I mean, sort of like the Hamilton I, I, I mean, it's it's always been a niche thing, even though Hamilton is like the biggest thing ever. And I think there are people who have like come and gone. Like there are definitely people who aren't as into the show as they are. And like, I don't listen to it as often as I did in those early years in January of 2016. Like also because I don't really if I have headphones on, I'm working <laughs> So it's, you know, I can't really listen as much as I could and I'm just learning and experiencing new things. So I've grown. The show has grown. You know, I used to have a co-host in around episodes 80 or something like I don't anymore because she just decided that there were, you know, other things happening in her life that were more important. And it was always my show. I did every, you know, it was just like, okay, well, can I do this by myself? Like, yeah, I can. I totally can. Um, And I was always going to. So it's it's changed and it's evolved and i think people and fans change and evolve so but there was definitely something like i never really gave a shit about the numbers but there was definitely something happening like in the beginning yeah. because people were googling it all the time and yeah. it was so inaccessible like To a point, like, we have to change how Broadway is so inaccessible, especially to people of color, because there was a whole thing. It's like, this is really great that, like, there are all these black people and people of color and Asian people, like, on stage, but the audience is all rich white people. And Hamilton is the hardest ticket on earth to get. And so I think, I mean, that's still a conversation that's happening, um, just in general, like, accessibility to the arts and music and anything. But think People were Googling stuff to get closer, to get a glimpse of this thing. And especially if you didn't live in New York. It was hard enough to get a ticket in New York City, let alone you're like the weird theater kid. And I say that with love. That was me, like the weird music kid that no one is like liking this thing. And then there's a podcast about people talking about how they like the thing. Yeah. So people, I think, were Googling it. I think it like it was a nice um like sanctuary for people for a time. Wow. And still is, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah.
1: Okay. It's like mind blowing. Oh my I know.
0: god. Pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. So then how did how did this jump? So you started Hamilcast in 2016, but then only a year later you started uh, co-hosting True Crime Obsessed. How did that come about? So And, and Patrick... by the way, if you're listening, that show is like out of control, popular, and it's it's <laughs> it's even more popular than Hamilcast. am I right?
2: Oh by a lot. I mean oh, yeah. yeah, by by a lot. Yeah. Definitely. Even though um,
0: Hamilcast was, like, insanely popular, this is, like, triple X.
2: Yeah, well, thank you. You're being very generous. Um, uh, Yeah, so, you know, Patrick Hines, who's my co-host on that, he made a Broadway podcast before I did. So he had a podcast called Theater People, where it was basically what I did with the Hamilcast, only just everyone in theater. He was just, like, it was theater interviews. And he also yeah. made a podcast that I love called Broadway Backstory, which was more like a documentary-style telling of, like, how a show came to be mm, um and, and did you know him
0: beforehand or no
2: so I I of course like knew who he was it's a very small like podcasting is a small community and then like New York City based Broadway podcasters is yeah. teeny teeny tiny you guys have so, meetings
0: every Thursday but, <laughs>
2: yeah. well Patrick so <laughs> sort of that's sort of what Patrick and I ended up doing because he um Patrick is like all about community so he reached out to me like I had followed you know the the Hamilcast social accounts and followed him on everything And he reached out to me. He was like, Hey, like, welcome. You know, you're me. I make a thing. You make a thing. If you ever need any, like, I don't know if you ever want to talk or any advice. Like he basically just reached out and was like, let's be friends. We're all, we're in the same thing. And you know, much like you were to me, Julie, like no one else had done that. Like everyone, there were other people in the Broadway community, um, who were kind of like, who's that? Like, I wasn't in it enough, even though I'm, like, probably the only New Yorker (laughs) who makes a Broadway podcast. Um, There are a lot of transplants. But it it was very, like, well, she's not on Broadway, and she's not, like, and I hate cats, and I hate Phantom, and I was just sort of, like, not really welcomed in a lot. Like, I just, I wasn't, and I don't know really what that was. Um, I think it's very easy, especially when you're a woman, to be seen as, like, a dumb fangirl, which is really not anything about what I do. So Patrick was nice. And like, I don't know, we became friends and he, um, it's hard to make friends. You know, he's married with a kid who was a very, who's she's eight, she's going to be nine. But back then she was like a little kid and I was married and we were like 30 and it's hard to make friends when you're that age, when you have like a life, you know what I mean? And we just became friends and we started meeting, we started texting each other and being like, not in Midtown right now, are you? And then getting cocktails and getting drinks and then just sort of getting to know each other that way. And our talks about like what we were doing on our podcast, like just sort of seamlessly turned into the latest true crime documentary we watched and the book we read and like who we think the Zodiac is. And we just sort of much like Hamilton, when you find someone who wants to talk to you about Zodiac in the middle of a bar, you keep talking to that person because no one else gives a shit or whatever. So it was the same thing with Hamilton where it was like, oh, you like there's more like me. Oh, my. It's like oh, aliens finding each other. Um, and so one more day better. I I just thought, like, you know, because I've been i read Helter Skelter way too young and Zodiac. Like I was in I've always been into true crime. And so documentaries especially. And I I said I remember I said to Mike, I was like, I have this idea and I'm going to call and like pitch it to Patrick. We were living in a 400 square foot studio at the time that we lived in for 10 years. And for the only privacy were like these little sliding doors to like separate Mm. the living room from our bedroom that didn't have a window. So I was like, I need like privacy. So that was going to be my privacy. And I like sat on the bed and I just called Patrick and I was like, hi, I have an idea and I don't really know what it is, but I know that I want to do it with you and I want it to be a true crime podcast, but I don't know what that means. Like maybe we can solve the Zodiac or something. If you want to meet up, like let's meet up. And so he said, fuck yeah. And instead of meeting at a bar, we met at like a coffee shop and really like had a conversation and we decided that we were going to solve the Zodiac. And I went to the library like Robert Graysmith and I went and I researched. And then two days later we were like, yeah, no, there are better people more equipped to do this, but we still want to work together and we still want to do something in the true crime space. Like, what is that? And uh, so we had this, there was the first idea because Pat, Patrick listened and listens to everything. Like he, always was listening to podcasts from like the very, very, very beginning. So he had this idea that he wanted to make like a really fancy pants, like true crime podcast, where it would be the first, it would be like sections. So 20 minutes, we'd talk about a documentary. Then in the middle, it would, the second 20 minutes would be like true crime news or like updates in cases. And then the third 20 minutes would be an interview with someone in the true crime space. And we made that. Pilot that has been destroyed, I think, since because it just didn't work. But the thing that we were kind of like, I think this works, was the first twenty minutes of us talking about the documentary, The Imposter, and we were still getting to know each other as people and friends, and like we were still new friends that we sort of dove into this thing together. um And he was asking me, you know, was very like hushed, <clears throat> like radio voice asking me about the cinematography mm. and the director's choices. And I was like, yeah, they're cool, but I think it's ridiculous that they actually think this is his br- their brother. Like it's not their brother. And so <laughs> he would sort of, you know, now again, just let the thing be what it's going to be. Like the first episode of the Hamillcast is nothing like the one I just edited. The first episode of True Crime Obsessed is nothing like the one that just hit your podcast feed today. Patrick would be like stifling his laughter and sort of trying to get me back on track because we didn't know if that was okay to be casual and bring levity to these cases. While we never ever would victim blame or make fun of a terrible thing that happened. But like, you know, my intrusive thoughts are what they are and you can't choose them and you can't really control them all the time. And so laughing about the shitty lawyer helps tell these stories and talking about like the dirty dishes in the sink. Like you knew the, crew was coming, right? Like you knew that there were going to be cameras in your house. You can't just like run a comb through your hair and like tidy up a little bit. So focusing on those things while also like being victim advocates and telling the story, we sort of learned that like we can recap these documentaries in a way that we were hoping would connect with people and make it a little easier to consume because it's hard to do. Um, And people are curious about true crime, women especially. We feel like if we know everything, then it won't happen to us, which is ridiculous but it's <laughs> sort of how we operate. Um and you know I come with I have my own as a woman. I have experience in the true crime space. I've been assaulted. I've I have these things that have happened and um so we just started telling these recapping these documentaries. Um and it's just evolved into something that is insane and wild and you know we've gotten over the years like a lot of flack for it. You know, I think people see true crime obsessed and then see like the tagline it's also a terrible name for a podcast we've discussed it openly finally it doesn't really say what we do because we didn't know what we were going to do at first like i all mean those you guys are obsessed
0: ago. about true crime but i guess you don't have like a comedy thing in the title
2: right but if we did like we already get in trouble for that and we get we hear from people and if you're not into it or you don't like what we do that's totally fine but we do hear from people where it's like see you didn't listen because no one's making fun of the victim in this. Nobody. And if they yeah. are, like, I'll come for them. So they get mad, f- they get mad at me for being too angry. And I'm like, look, if I'm talking about a rapist, I'm gonna get mad. If I'm talking about a murderer, I'm gonna get mad. So you're mad that we say that it's comedy, and then you're mad that I'm too mad about like atrocities and racism and all this shit. And I'm too woke and I'm too this and I'm too whatever. Um, but the people who like it, let's talk about them because they're nice. Um <laughs> they um <laughs> They say really nice things like we helped them. You know, the pandemic was was like a massive. I mean, I don't know why I'm going to explain a pandemic to everyone that was through it, lived <laughs> through it with me. But yeah. we heard a lot of stuff from people saying, like, I don't know what I would have done without you. Like they cut costs, but they kept listening to TCO or the Hamilcast or whatever, because it, it, at the very core of it, like we weren't alone. Like we were sort of all dealing with this
1: um
2: so people feel like like it's a safe space like you know we'll we'll drive right past like some horrible description of something terrible that happened to a kid or to an animal and we'll take it on and we'll say we're not going to play this part but the gist is this and fuck this guy or you know we won't say that we'll say like the killer we're not going to give this guy any airtime or if there's a documentary that we just we just covered I can't shit I should know the name of it We just covered a documentary. Oh, Joel Rifkin. We did a documentary on Joel Rifkin and it was produced by Oxygen. And I was so mad because they kept dry. They kept like not saying the names of the victims. And I was infuriated by that. And so like, as I'm taking my notes, which takes like per 90 minute documentary, I'd say three to four hours to take notes because I'm just like pausing and writing things down. I'm not like sitting with popcorn watching a documentary. It's like takes most of my day. Um, I made my own separate timeline. So I was like, wait, they missed this person. And every single moment there was they skipped someone in the episode. I just said their name because um, I was like, if oxygen isn't going to do it. I'm going to fucking do it because that's rude. Like, don't don't skip by them. What? Because she's a sex worker. You're not going to say her name like fuck that. What? Because she's black. You're not going to say it like not on my watch. So I've yeah. been getting these messages from people who like one of them was like one of the the names that oxygen didn't say that you did like I knew her like my family knew her and so like just to hear a name out there was really important and that was incredibly meaningful for me to hear that like oh wow we're not just helping people get through life stories that are hard in a more accessible way but like that was really I I just did it because I thought it was rude of oxygen like you kind of forget like Julie you know like you guys know like it feels like it's just us here still to this day. It's not like, I'm not really aware that like, this is going to go out into the world. You kind of forget that when you're in a booth and you're with like someone you love and someone you're just like riffing and you just like say shit and you just sort of like, you have to be responsible for what you say, but I just said it. And I kind of like, forgot that I forgot that in that moment that like someone who knew her could have heard that.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. You know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's
2: crazy. What's your
0: feelings on, uh, I know the Dahmer, the Dahmer fictionalized show, whatever, got mm-hmm. a lot of flack. What's your feeling on that?
2: Yeah, you know, I think it's. um My issue is that when people exaggerate or sensationalize these stories because they're bad enough and they're real. So Evan Peters is like a phenomenal actor. But like don't, don't try to get people to like understand Jeffrey Dahmer. He was a monster. And like, I don't care about his fucking feelings. And so when you sensationalize things and make things sort of seem like, you know, let's make sure we get that shot or whatever, Or, or even like, let's just make it look beautiful. Like make a shot look cool and interesting. It's like, right, right. But like, there's a person there. Like, we're here in in Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment with, you know, whoever, like, watching it. And you're directing about something that happened to somebody. And I think there's a good way to do it. Like, I think it's possible to do it right. Um, but it felt a little like, you're not trying to get me to fucking feel for this guy, are you? Like, you're not gonna try to... I really don't care about his childhood. I don't give a shit. I really don't. And at the same time, like, we need to... There needs to be, like, prison reform. We need, like... We need to rehab people instead of just, like, throwing them away. Like, some people do want to do the work. But, like, I'm not going to get there with Dahmer, dude. Like, I'm not going to do it. So. Yeah. And I think Ryan Murphy, like, picked Dahmer because he's sensational enough. He's scary. And he knew that, like, it was a good story to kind of punch up a little bit. But it didn't need punching up because these people were real.
1: Yeah. Right. No, I mean, I remember episode one. Do you remember? Once we started, we're just like, oh, my God. This is fucking terrible. It's really bad. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And also like on the other side of it, there are also documentaries that can do that. Like that fucking Casey Anthony thing. What on earth? Peacock. Are you kidding me?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like who is
2: Casey Anthony? I don't know. She killed her daughter. Well, it's really Uh, the Kaylee Anthony case, not Casey, which is another thing that makes me crazy. The one the Scott Peterson case. It's the murder of Lacey Peterson. Like, my God. (laughs) Right. Right. The way people get lost <laughs> in these cases is like maddening. Like how many fucking times do we have to say it?
1: Right. Right.
2: It's wild. It's wild. Is that
1: the staircase one? Right?
2: No, the no, staircase no, 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 no. is uh, Michael uh, Peterson. What do you oh, think Michael, about
1: I, I was like, it's the other Peterson. There's Pe- there's
2: Drew Peterson, there's Michael Peterson, there's <laughs> Scott Peterson.
1: Okay. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You know what drives me crazy
0: like... just about documentaries that are not necessarily crime, but we love the documentary about the Thailand cave thing. Um, where they had to go rescue all these kids in the underneath the water in a oh. cave. So the documentary is great. Now, there's two like fictionalized things about it. I'm just like, how about just watch the documentary? I, know. I mean, like the documentary is actually right, but actually happened. It's yeah, yeah right. Like, I don't it know that we live... need two other movies on it yeah. that aren't real. I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah. So and it's also when you're telling these stories like a dear dear friend of mine is um Damien Eccles and he's a member oh, of the yeah. West Memphis three yeah, yeah. so oh, yeah. he yeah he's incredible and he and his wife Lori but like you know the Paradise Lost documentaries there are three of them and they were happening in real time but like west of Memphis to me is like the gold standard of that story it's directed by Amy Berg it's fantastic I've seen but it, I remember yeah. so so good and it really like sort of recaps everything from the three with like more of a goal and like a focus and whatever and it's just it's so excellent but I remember like I've had so many conversations with Damien about like how his story was being told without him like there's like a there was a lifetime movie and what they do in these movies is they sort of they put the image in your head so there's like a reenactment of what maybe could have happened with Damien and Jason and Jesse like actually committing the murders which didn't happen but He was like, yeah, he goes, I'll never forget. There was one of them that had me meditating and levitating over the trailer park where he lived. And I will never forget it. I think we were bowling or something. And he was like, do you honestly think if I could levitate, I would have fucking stayed in Arkansas? Like, if you really think I could fly, do you think I would have stayed in the fucking trailer park? (laughs) But like, they put that image in your head that like, oh, well, there he is. And then like, you think that you saw him do it, which is so irresponsible. Yeah. Especially when he didn't like, <laughs> wow. he's levitating also, now. I'm like, shit, dude, teach me how to do that.
1: The <laughs> obvious part though. It's like, you think I want to stay in
2: this Right. Do you, like right? if you think I could like fly,
1: you oh know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hover
2: over this shithole and then just come and, right back down. And stay here. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: That's, that makes like in sense. In what
2: world? <laughs> makes sense.
1: Oh my God. So crazy. So tell us yeah. about the
0: path of true crime obsessed then. Like, When you first started that, was that an immediate hit as well? Are you just like a a hit maker?
1: And the answer to that, my friends, is yes. Yes, she is a hit maker. And you're going to find out more on how many hits she makes next week.
0: What? You're going to make these people wait a week for this?
1: I know. Look, it's... (sighs) We have to do it. We talked to the lawyers. They said sorry.
0: Another two-parter. Tune in to Jillian Pensilvali, the podcast queen. The
1: queen of all things podcasts.
0: She's going to tell us more about uh, True Crime Obsessed, Damian Eccles, you might know him in the news, and more that's coming up next week. So that's a wrap, guys. Thanks for tuning in.
1: See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Cuz I Happy podcast.
0: Find us on Instagram at Cuz I Have To Podcast.
1: Email us at Cuz I Have to Podcast at gmail.com.
0: If you know someone living their dreams, tell us about them.
1: And if you dig what you hear, please share, share the, podcast the podcast on, on your, your socials. socials
0: so we can grow this baby.
1: Okay, folks, until next time.